A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Indeed, we tell you this on the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, with a word of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, console one another with these words. The word of the Lord. The Lord comes down to judge the earth. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you lands. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wondrous deeds. For great is the Lord and highly to be praised. Awesome is he beyond all gods. For all the gods of the nations are things of naught, but the Lord made the heavens. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and what fills it resound. Let the plains be joyful and all that is in them. Then, then shall all the trees of the forest exult. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to rule the earth. He shall rule the world with justice and the peoples with his constancy. Dominus Fobiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today the scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Is this not the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, cure yourself, and say, Do here in your native place the things that we have heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, No prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. Today is a national holiday in the United States, Labor Day, a day for American workers to be grateful for the works that have been accomplished by human or by American workers. I think it's a day for us also to reflect upon how we benefit from the labors of others, from things as simple as just driving here this morning Somebody had to lay that asphalt. Somebody had to build that car. Somebody had to build this chapel in which we worship God. And so we can be grateful for many of the things we often take daily, daily for granted. And today I especially wanted to offer a votive mass in honor of St. Joseph the worker, who is a model for workers. And I thought it was fitting to do so for two reasons. He is also the patron of a happy death, as well as being a model for workers. And today's first reading is about dying in the Lord. So St. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, who are anxious about those who had passed away, who had died before the Lord's return. And here's what he says. I want you to know I do not, do not want, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those 
who have fallen asleep. See, that's the Christian approach to death. It was referred to in the early church as falling asleep. Our Lord himself said this of Lazarus. Our, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And to think about every time that we go to bed at night and we go to rest and we fall asleep, then we awake to the rising sun. And that prefigures really day after day, that ultimate day when we will fall asleep, but we will come to rise again and to see the light of God's glory in eternity. And so it's a fitting way for us, as St. Paul does, refer to our passing away in the Lord. It's a falling asleep, but it's a rising then to new life in Christ. And so he says that we will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So yes, we do grieve the death of our loved ones, but not without hope. Why? Paul continues. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That's and then he concludes the words after speaking about the second coming of the Lord. He said, well, we shall always be with the Lord. Console one another with these words. You know, this past Saturday, I was looking on my app on my phone at EWTN's app, and I often see, well, what's going on in the U.S.? What's going on in Europe? What's going on in Africa? Because you can see that on EWTN's app. And I came across a program that was airing at the time entitled Dying Without Fear. And it was a beautiful docudrama. In fact, the group that has produced seven docudramas on the seven sacraments. And so they have like actors portraying certain events. And then they have commentary on it. In this case, a bishop talking about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick a young woman who had had serious illness and had almost died. And they're speaking about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick in this beautiful docudrama, originally, I think, in Spanish, but dubbed with English in, in, into English. And so this was entitled Dying Without Fear. And it had this young woman and her brother, Raphael, and Raphael was a man of great faith, but his sister not so much so. And when she received a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis of cancer, that she was just totally upset, mad at God. She said, I had all these plans. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to travel. I know all that's undone. And so she just shuts God out of her life. But Raphael continues to encourage her and be patient with her. And you can't help but think of why they chose the name Raphael for her brother, because if you know the book of Tobit, Sarah's despairing, and Raphael is the angel who is sent to her to help her. 
And so she's angry. She will not be reconciled with her father, with whom she had been estranged. And there comes a point where Raphael has to leave, and she's by herself, and she's scrolling through wonderful vacations, things that she would have wanted to do, but now it's all been taken away. She begins to weep, and she runs off. Raphael returns looking for her and finds her crying. And she says, I'm afraid to die. So she's relating what's really going on within her. She's afraid to die. And perhaps some of you who are getting to the end of your life, who have maybe a terminal illness, that there's a certain fear, anxiety, that you have at this moment. And what happens after that? That a change begins to happen. That she invites this priest to come to hear her confession. He had approached her before and she said, no thanks. She invites him to come, she makes a good confession. And she receives the anointing of the sick, which always strengthens a person at that time, at that time of crisis. And he unites their sufferings with the sufferings of Christ. And so it, it takes on this supernatural value. And then she calls her father, and he comes, and they're reconciled. And I love a line that they had in there. To be reconciled with our history. Be reconciled with our history. The pains, the sufferings, the disappointments we have in each other, the ways we've hurt each other, to ask for forgiveness. And so she could have peace as she approached the end of her life. And so patron, or St. Joseph is a patron of, of, of uh, a happy death. And I've told the story before of my own father that I didn't know about his prayer book, which was strapped together with strap tape, his prayer book that he had there. I saw it after he had died. And he had paper clipped in there, a prayer for a happy death. And he certainly had that. Unexpectedly, I was home the last week of his life. His family was around him. He received all that the church had to offer. And one of the last things he said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, as I blessed him with the blessed sacrament. You see, that is falling asleep. That's that gentle transition to eternal life when we die with faith. And Joseph is a patron of a happy death because he died in the arms of Jesus and Mary. Many of the saints died with those names on their lips. May it be so with us. Jesus, Mary. We know that Joseph is never mentioned during the public life of our Lord. And yet, we know also the impact that he had on on Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He goes to the synagogue as was his custom. Well, where did he get that custom? <laughs> from his family, from Joseph and Mary, who would go to the synagogue. And so this was his custom. This was what he had been taught, he had been raised in. 
And so this was the way that he lived. And so we think of him as a patron of a happy death. And there is such a thing as a happy death. We can only speak of that because of faith. That for the Christian, it's a falling asleep to rise again in the Lord. And so it is a cer certain fearful aspect of the unknown. But the more that we know the Lord, the less fearful it becomes. And it becomes this longing so that St. Francis of Assisi could say, welcome, Sister Death. Welcome, Sister Death. And we celebrate every year his transitus, his transition from this life to the glory that is to come. So St. Joseph died in the arms of Jesus and Mary. He lived a godly life. He served them. We know that he served him, them well because they were provided for and protected. And then let's look at the other title of St. Joseph, that he is a patron of workers, as we think about Labor Day in the United States of America today. And what did the people say in the synagogue? Is this not the son of Joseph? This is Luke's gospel. In Mark's gospel, the question is asked, is this not the carpenter? In Matthew's gospel, another question that was asked, is this not the carpenter's son? You know, I had the privilege to go to the Holy Land some years ago to go to St. Joseph's Church, and this is the revered place of the Holy Family. And if you go there, you'll see this portrait, this painting from 1900, which is a beautiful portrayal of the Holy Family, Joseph holding the tools of his trade and the child Jesus there learning from Joseph. And so is he not the carpenter's son? Is he not Joseph's son? Is he not the carpenter? All of those were true as probably all the things that the people were saying. And so when we think about labor, Sometimes you'll see a bumper sticker, I'd rather be fishing you know, than working. And we can sometimes look at work as, well, this is a necessary evil, got to do it to make my ends, the ends meet, but I really don't see any value or purpose to it. And we need to look at our work in a different way. That anything that is done with love has value, eternal value. I've never forgotten a phrase that Bishop Austin Vaughn said at the dedication of the shortwave facility. He said, the only thing that we'll take with us is what we give away. In other words, our acts of love, that's eternal. And the poet Virgil said this, Amor vincit omnia, amor vincit Omnia, love conquers all. Does it conquer death? Does love conquer death? The Song of Songs tells us it does. Love is stronger than death. And so something, an insight of Peter Kraft, he says, it means that when love and death meet, it is death that has changed, not love. When the flood of love meets the dam of death, it is not stopped by the dam. No, it sweeps away the dam. 
along with its waters and transforms the dam into a part of itself. Love is so much stronger than death that it makes death into a lover. Like I said, quoting St. Francis, welcome, Sister Death, this transition to eternal life. So just a couple of thoughts on Joseph as a patron of workers, that where there is love, there is no labor. And our labor is a way in which we are serving others. As I said, we couldn't be in this place to worship God, this beautiful place built in 1960, dedicated in 62, unless people had developed skills and talents of carpentry and working, uh, you know, all the different things that are necessary to build a building well. So we've benefited from the labors of others and we can't see ourselves as wish I could win the lottery so that everybody else could serve me. No, it's like I need to give my life away. I need to serve others. And our work is a way in which we can do that and contribute to the good of others. The last thing that I would mention is a, a quote that I've never, uh, I don't remember where it came from, but it's a, a good way, I think, to conclude this talk about the qualities of virtuous men. One of the qualities of virtuous men is that they quietly carry out the responsibilities and work without looking for acclaim or applause. Enough for them is a satisfaction that comes from doing things as they ought to be done, doing them well, and letting one's actions speak for themselves. Actions speak louder than words, it is said. And the virtuous man is happy to reveal his love for God and for others by his quiet service and unacclaimed efforts. Jesus washed feet and told his apostles that he had just given them an example of how they were to act. Jesus witnessed Joseph's silent service as he was growing in age and wisdom in Nazareth. The gospel Jesus taught found no contradiction in his father. St. Joseph, patron of a happy death and patron of workers, pray for us.